Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the job whisperer, and uh, we talk about crypto. And if you're learning about crypto or you want to learn about crypto, if uh, you've heard about crypto and you want to know more, or if you want a job in crypto and you want to figure out how, then this is the podcast for you. And once again, I'm with my co-host, robo-recruiter, Dave Hampton. Morning, morning. Back in Vegas. Back in Vegas. Still hot. Scorching. I don't know how they do it. Uh, you get used to it. Yeah, I don't know. How do you get used to actually like, like literally getting a first degree burn from the handle on your car? I know. Sunscreen. Wait, you put sunscreen on the metal on your car or in oh, your I don't body? know why you're putting your arm in the car to begin with, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're here, to, here to talk about, we're going to talk about crypto today for sure, right? Yeah. 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 So, so you saw that the uh, you saw Jerome Powell talking about the rates. They're a little more persistent. Inflation's more persistent now. I mean, it's all it's I, all becoming a big ruse and joke. I don't believe any of it. I, I don't yeah, believe any of it. It's all lip service. Right. Yeah, it's me. So, so. Yeah, for me, probably, you know, I I know uh, I'm I'm a bit dated, you know, because I was born in the '60s, but I like to think that I'm cooler than that. Um, you keep thinking Butch. Uh, yeah, that's what you're good at. Yeah, that's right. I'm Butch. Ca- I'm, I'm definitely Butch Cassidy, and you're Sundance Kid. That's right. That's that's not, and even that's an old reference. But uh, you know, the thing about it is, I always refer to people that actually listen to the, the news or the Fed or what we're told, or Peter Schiff. It puts the lotion in the basket like it's told, like we're like literally the serial killers up there, and we're like the gal in the bottom of the well from Silence of the Lambs. That's literally every time. No, I'm watching TV and I watch them spew some type of lie about mm-hmm. how the economy is going to go, and I literally say it out loud. I put the lotion in the basket like I'm told, right? Facetiously. Yeah. Right. Right. So hey, um, we've got a great guest for us today, and her name is Camila Compton. And how I found her, you know, like everybody else, when when you f- when you find Bitcoin or crypto or something you're passionate about, in my case, it's cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and recruiting in the cryptocurrency space, you know, you uh, subscribe to certain podcasts, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you give people a listen, and it's like, okay, this guy's just hyping a a patron channel, he's gone, or this guy's just oh, saying this, you know, they're over dramatic, right. not keeping it real. And I was, uh, I, I'm part Swan Bitcoin, which is a, a firm you can actually use if you want to actually dollar cost average in uh, Bitcoin, or if you want to automatically buy a certain amount every day, which I recommend for everybody. I but, do too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, there was this, the, this channel, there, there was a, a podcast that came up and it was going live. And it, usually during the day, I don't have time to listen to live podcast. And there were this group of young people talking specifically about the protests in Colombia. Right. And mm-hmm. specifically, uh, this one gal was talking about how Bitcoin fixes this. Right. And I immediately I mean, literally, even while the podcast was going on, I emailed her I, well, I, on Twitter and I said, will you please be on my podcast? Mm-hmm. And she she had the she was gracious enough to say, yeah, I'll do it. And she's been really cooperative and enthusiastic. And without any further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, Camila Campton. Hi, everyone. Mm-hmm. How's How are you guys? I'm doing well. I'm How doing are you great. doing today? I'm doing well. It's not as hot here in Denver as it is in Vegas. So <laughs> I feel for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like if you're going to do a podcast out of Vegas, right? We come we come from San Diego County to do, to oh, do this wow. podcast every week. And the thing about it is, is 
stop complaining about the heat if you're going to go to Vegas, but we can't not. And so how, um, anyhow, be, before we get started, I just, uh, let's, let's just talk a little bit about you. I mean, just your origins, your genesis, where you grew up, type of family you're from, and all the way up to your, your, your recent exchanging of the vows. Absolutely. So I was originally born in Colombia. Um, something unique about my story is that I had, my mom had me when she was a teenager. So what's interesting Is that about 19 me, or is that 13? So how, um, how I mean, that's, oh, that's 15. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's actually a super crucial part about my journey and my family's journey, because something that really propelled my mom to leave Colombia was that she saw no opportunities for us over there. She felt that there was something beyond the mountains of Medellin. And so she took it upon herself to come to the United States. We were separated for about two years until she settled down and I could finally come. And in 2000, December of 2000, it's when I first arrived to the United States in New Jersey. What's funny is that as a six-year-old, you don't really realize the harsh reality of the world, right? In my mind, it was more of, oh, I'm going to the United States, wherever that is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to see my mom. And that's what I was most excited about. Like, I'm finally going to be reunited with my mom. What I didn't know was that I was gonna be an undocumented person. So I was gonna have no papers for a really long time. And that whole process took about 10 years. Wow. So yeah, so when I realized kind of like the reality of everything, it was just kind of like, okay, well, this is my situation right now. I'm going to make the best out of it, going to try to be the best student that I can be. You know, we made these sacrifices together to be here. We're not with our family anymore. Let's just make the best out of it and see if I can create that future that my mom came here for, for the both of us. So that's a little bit of my back background. Well, um, hold, hold on, no, no, stay there. So <laughs> what, what city do you come to? Where, where does mom go? Um, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Okay, so so you're, you're in New Jersey. So... Basically, you're a New Jersey girl, junior high, high school, New Jersey, or no? Okay. So my mom hated the cold. <laughs> I bet. Don't don't blame her. Yeah, I don't, see, I don't blame well, her. Hold on a second. That that's right. We shouldn't complain about the heat because we could go to New Jersey. I lived in New York for three years. Ooh. No more, man. Ooh. No more. Watch it. <laughs> okay. Any anyhow. So yeah. So yeah. Talk about. Uh, the, okay. So she doesn't like the cold. Where she go then? Yeah. Or where do so you guys go? We go to Coral Springs, Florida. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mom is smart. North of Miami. Is that, is that where that is? Uh, yeah. It's a little bit North of Miami. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of like a small town compared to Miami right. or Orlando. Okay. Um, which is where I ended up. We moved from Coral Springs to Orlando throughout the house market where everything was so fabulous. You could buy two to three houses, right? Um, yeah. and so, yeah, so we ended up in Orlando. So that wait, wait, if you're talking about that time uh, about buying houses by just fogging a mirror, then I guess you're about 12. So you're a young woman finding her way as a seventh grader following mom, <laughs> right? Am I nailing? Am I got it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. In seventh grade. I moved to Orlando. 
Um, like I said, always trying to be a very good student, getting the best grades, high school, and then I ended up at UCF because I did not want to move from home. I wanted to stay at home during my college experience, save some money. Hold on just one second, just one second. So after high school, you graduate, you decide you're going to go straight to college? Absolutely. Okay. And and not... In my mind, I was like, well, this is what I've worked for my whole life, right? Um, During that process in high school is when I had the interview for my residency, for my U.S. residency. You're talking with the immigration uh, uh, authorities in America. Very scary. <laughs> okay, you know, um, most 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 of our audience, uh, uh, this is a foreign experience. So when you say you've got an interview, it's like for, for a moment I go, oh, they have to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. So so that, that's that's why I want I want I want this platform. I want to make sure that you we we clarify what that is because it's going to come full circle to who you are and what your position is as it relates to Bitcoin. But anyhow, um, so you interview right when you graduate high school, right? Because this could be the thing where you gotta you gotta go back. Right? Yeah, so I remember, I want to say it was 10th grade because I remember asking uh, one of my teachers if he could give me a recommendation letter so that I could show to the officer that I'm a good student, I'm a good person, I deserve to stay here. Because that's the scary part about, about that initial interview is that they look at your whole history and then the officer decides if you stay or not. Wow. And it's always praying that you get a good officer, right? Because if he's a bad person, he could just be like, you know what? Everything looks good, but denied. Yeah, and most, most people, we're in the job business, right? We size people up. Most people that gravitate toward those types of jobs, immigration, border patrol, those kind of, usually they have a different, you know, uh, social work wasn't one of the possible electives they were actually going to take in college, if that makes any sense. Usually, <laughs> you know, no, I'm just saying, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, a, I, tr- I try to be really neutral in what I say here about like groups of people. But so more likely than not, they're looking for reasons to send people back than send them in, right? They're, they're screening people out, yeah. not screening them in, if, if that makes sense. They got to approach it with some skepticism because they see probably some some vanish uh type six experiences, yeah. right so right. they get you know they but get adjust it, to that it, it, anyhow that's I, I i'm sorry to slow you down on this but I, <laughs> I i i think this is important i think people need yeah. to hear this so continue on the funniest part was when our immigration lawyer was like you guys actually got one of the toughest guys that is in this office so that that didn't calm the nerves at all um, but I felt like I was very prepared um, because I brought in a binder with all of my diplomas that I had gotten from like A honor roll, B honor roll since I got to this country, since I started first grade here in America. So I had collected all of these, kept it in a binder. And at the end of the interview, I, I just gave it to him and I was like, you know, I want to show you this because this is very important to me and this is what I've been able to accomplish here. And that kind of nice. softened him a little, which was just like, okay, like th- this is a human being and I'm right. being honest and v- vulnerable with him, right? That, you know, I do want to be here. I'm not taking this right. opportunity for granted. So after that, was able to get my residency. I was able to travel back to Colombia when I was around 15 or 16 to kind of like go back to my roots, to the house where I stayed since I was born till I was six. 
So it was a very rewarding experience. And then the next step was like, okay, now I have to wait about three to five years to apply for my citizenship. And that was like the one thing I really wanted to call myself an American citizen. So I just, I just want to stop. So it's really clear to me as you share that story, you go and revisit the pain and the fear of that experience because I can hear the cracking in your voice. <laughs> and so David and I want, I want to share something, an experience that David and I have. So Dave, David and I always, we were always looking for people. I gave him his first shot when nobody else would. And I needed somebody to give me a shot when nobody else would. And, you know, th th these are different iterations. So we've always been about champions who just need empowerment and another seat on the bus. So we're always looking for those people with that it factor just through being uh, underpurposed. Mm -hmm. And where I, I, you know, I'm a creature of habit. I go to the Starbucks every morning. I get my wife a tea. And I get myself something. I go. And so I, I know the people at the Starbucks. I know them all. And I, some of them will chat with you and some of them won't. And there was this gal named Dulce, right? And Dulce, she, Mexican gal, and we'd always chat, da-da-da-da-da. And one day, I just randomly, I usually don't go in the afternoons, right? I, I wanted a coffee. I think it was like God, God willed. And I went in and she said, hey, this is my last day. And I gave her my card and I said, well, if you want to like do something more with your life, then uh, she just said I couldn't do it anymore because of the sleep, right? They get up at 2.30 in the morning so they could start, you know, making espressos at 4.30. She said, I don't have a job. I just, I just can't do it anymore. And so she was really smart. She's smart like you, right? She looks like you. She's a little bit younger. And literally, she sometimes would come into our, our office, like, crying, saying, they're going to send me back to Mexico. I mean, and, and like, the, and, and, and we as white guys, we, we, didn't, we didn't understand that this was a thing. We're, we're, we're white American guys, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, my God, this, 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 is, real, this, is, this is real people. This is real happenings here, right? And I said, Dulce, it's California, all right? This, if you lived in Wyoming or if you lived like in Utah or Oklahoma, maybe, maybe. But in California, I just, just trust us. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in good hands. And, and, and the way it weighed on her, the way it weighed on her, Camila, <clears throat> it was, I mean, I don't know that Bitcoin necessarily would have fixed that situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but, but it's true. Yeah. It's you have this, uh, like, and I remember my mom telling me, like, don't tell anyone about our immigration status because you don't know if there's going to be a bad right. person out there that is going to report us and then that's it. So it's just like pretending to be like the happiest free child while growing up. But in the back, you have this deep, dark secret that is just like, I can't I can't tell anyone. And, but I feel like that propelled me to really stay extremely focused on my schoolwork and just in the mission that I had, right? Like right. if we, if we sacrifice so much, I can't screw this up. Like I don't have an option to screw this up. I have to be the best that I can be and see how much I can accomplish until I get to the goal of becoming a United States citizen. Yeah. And, and so that brings us to censorship. Right. Not, and, and, and this this is relevant to, to cryptocurrency and for our for our audience. Right? I, I know you're probably wondering, well, what does Bitcoin or crypto, cryptocurrency have to do with censorship? Right. And, and the truth is, even though Bitcoin is a financial worldwide network. Right. The thing about blockchain is, is that it, it um, there's nobody who can censor it. Right. And what I'm what I'm talking and it's, I didn't know the conversation was going to go this way, but I'm really glad it is, because like I told you, we're, we're going to keep it real and we're keep you're keeping it real. Um, so you have to like self censorship, like things you say, 
protests you go to, what you publish, right? Because it's true. I mean, I assume that, right? Until such until such time as you've got uh, you raise your hand and take the oath, correct? Absolutely, yeah. because even Talk. with social media, right? Right. With social media being such a big boom while I was growing up, my mom is super wise. She has always been super wise, even though she's very young. And she would always tell me, be careful what you post on social media. Be careful, you know, what you say or how you express yourself, because when we go to these interviews, these guys know everything about us. And it's it's crazy because you enter the interview and you have a file this big and you're like, when did they when did they gather all right. this information? Right. This is yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, like my whole life in this country, just in like this huge package, it was it was mind blowing to me. So you're right. You're we have to be careful tiptoeing around things that we care about. But it's like you know, like don't post it because you never know how someone may twist it or whatever. Right. Or or even interpret it. It's not even about <laughs> exactly. twisting it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so so now everybody, we know who Camila Compton is, right? So yeah, I mean, so yeah, so this is this yeah. this is definitely an authentic voice, and that's what makes our show different. We bring we bring in uh, authentic voices, marginalized voices, who can, but all come one thing they have in common is they have an opinion or an experience on how cryptocurrency or blockchain and or in this case Bitcoin has changed and continues to change the job market in the world. So you go to college. Right. I, I'm sorry I spent so much time there, but I really felt that spirit guided me to make sure that we. No, uh, absolutely. And, and I haven't really shared that on a podcast, I think, in such depth. So. Well, the good news is the good, the good news is we're a very new podcast. So only like four or five hundred people will hear it. Right. So a year right. from now, we hope that's not the case. Right? <laughs> uh, right. um, so. All right. So you decide immediately I'm going to go to Central Florida. No. I, and, and, and in your mind. Right a young Latina female, right? With the, the DACA issues that you actually have. You think I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a degree in what and why, what, whether you went that way, just tell me what that 18 year old is thinking. Honestly, I had no idea what I was going to do in college. Um, like, just, like most. That's typical. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was undecided for a really long time until actually my husband plays a huge role in this. Okay. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do something where I could connect with people and help people. You know, it's like, there's nothing more powerful to me than empowering others. And just coming from my own personal struggles and stuff and learning from them, it's like, if I could overcome these things, you can overcome anything as well. You know, it was impossible for me at some point to think that it was all going to be over. You know, it was a lot of years um, of, let's say, hiding behind this identity of being undocumented. But if you have the right mindset and the right mission in your heart, you can overcome anything. So that's kind of like what I did in college. I also started helping people with their fitness and their health. I felt like that was an outlet for me to like empower other people and help them and just see them be happy, you know, see them that they're able to overcome little goals, little struggles that they have and just seeing the smiles on their faces when they were able to overcome their own personal struggles for me was absolutely amazing. And that's actually how I met my husband through these fitness classes I was doing. Um, 
we kept connected and then he wanted to start his own professional fraternity for communications. And so that's what let me down kind of like the rabbit hole of like, okay, what is communications? Um, and I really wanted to be a part of this fraternity because I had the biggest crush on this guy and I wanted to support him in his project. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so, so I think now there's a good point. I'm going to segue and I ask all my guests this question. <clears throat> yeah. How did Bitcoin find you? Ooh, because of my husband. <laughs> okay. So because I, you know, I don't ask how, how did you find Bitcoin? I never asked that because I don't believe anyone finds Bitcoin or crypto. Yeah, it absolutely. finds them. Right. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. so go, so, go yeah. let's fast forward. So I graduate with a bachelor of arts and human communications with honors, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yes, absolutely. And I really wanted, I saw that there's the biggest skill that you can have as a human is knowing how to communicate with people. When you communicate with people, you're able to accomplish so much, resolve conflicts in a more efficient way, and just kind of stand in the shoes of the other person to see how you can you can help them out in whatever in whatever they need. So human communication for me was like, I don't know what career path I'm going to take in this, but I feel like all the skills that are learned are going to help me in whatever I do. Um, so how Bitcoin found me um, is I got married with my husband last July and we moved from Orlando to Denver in August. And we hadn't lived together before marrying each other, right? I didn't know what his- Muy católico. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I didn't know what his routines were when he got up um, or <laughs> what he did with the car, you know, it was all a very new experience for me. And what I realized is that the first thing he would do when he would wake up was listening to a Bitcoin podcast. And hold on a second. Hold on a second. Do you know the yeah. name of the podcast he'd listen to? Citizen Bitcoin. Okay. Was one of them. Because I listen, um, I listen every morning to the modern investor. I just, oh, was, very uh, would you, do you know who he is? The modern investor? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he'll go on. Yeah. And so we, we would get in the car to drive and he's like, is it okay if I put on this Bitcoin podcast? And in my head, I'm just like, who am I to say no? You know, it's like, yeah, go, go for it. Um, and I felt like it would all go over my head. Now, as a newlywed, my personal mission is how can we build a strong foundation together? Because, you know, now we're married. We eventually want to buy a house. We eventually want to have kids, you know, all these things come in mind, but then you realize how screwed up the economy is, especially after the pandemic, you see the situation starting to get really hard. House prices start to spike up. And it's just like, my American dream was to be able to accomplish everything that I've told you guys and then build a family. How the heck am I going to do this in the world that we live in today? You know, when am I, when am I going to be able to save up to buy a house? When am I going to be able to establish this foundation? As women, let's be very real here, we kind of have like a little internal clock, right? When it comes to being fertile, to be able to have kids. Claro que sí. Exactly. <laughs> so in my head, I'm just like, I need to find a really fast way to like kind of figure this out with my husband because he's restarting his career here since we moved to Denver. It's just like a complete fresh restart and a now what? So 
all of these things were going through my mind in August until Thanksgiving when we had Thanksgiving dinner with his family. And he was trying to orange pill his family and his parents. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So orange pill. Yeah. Orange pill. So, (laughs) so what, what orange pill means is when finally somebody actually shows you the orange pill, right? That's talking to you about Bitcoin. But once they convince you to actually take the orange pill, that means you now see, Oh, that's what it is. And I always repeat a phrase when you first, when you first look at Bitcoin, you cannot see it. But once you see it, you cannot look away. So just for my audience, I wanted to give them that. And you're the first person to say orange pill on the podcast. So, really? Yeah. So George, tell her what she wins. <laughs> so uh, you win a blue pill. No, no. She wins more Bitcoin. Hang oh, out. that. <laughs> yeah. Continue, Camilla. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the Matrix, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so he's he's so so basically he's Larry Fishburne in the Matrix talking to the family who's uh, Kenal Reeves about the, the 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 orange pill, the Bitcoin. Right. Right. Go on. What he didn't realize while he was trying to orange pill his family is that he orange pilled me. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why I asked, how did Bitcoin find you? That's why exactly. I asked. Right. Okay. So Thanksgiving of 2020. Exactly. Keep in mind, he had told me about the Bitcoin standard before, right? And he just showed me the book and he was like, oh, this is a really good book. I saw it, but I was just like, maybe some other time, you know, I have more important things to think about. Um, but after, after Thanksgiving on our flight back here to Denver, instead of taking a nap on the plane, I decided to read the Bitcoin standard and that was game over for me. Like, I feel like my, my life changed completely. Talk about that. I, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's when the uh, light went off for me too. Yeah. But, I gave David the Bitcoin standard. Yeah. I, I, I listened to it versus reading it, but yeah, that was, okay. uh, it was easier to do it that way for me. Uh, yeah, but- absolutely. But right. uh, but yeah, I mean the the history of the, the currency and the you know the rock trading and the you know just various ways of how how it's gone through history it, it was enlightening. Okay, so so you're reading the Bitcoin Standard and it's like you've got this aha moment. At this point, and, and I don't want to take you out of your train too much, but you know, <laughs> it's clear to me when I see when I see the price of like just steak and eggs is thirty two dollars at the diner. Right. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is just a year and a half ago, it was twelve dollars for steak and eggs at that same diner, 20 bucks more. And the house is going up and the price of Bitcoin going up. Right. Which makes Bitcoin deflationary. But it's not that these things are all going up. The price of gas is not going up. The price of food is not going up. The value of the fiat currency that they're printing is going down because it's being diluted. And anyhow, I don't know if you have. I mean, I, I you were saying it's like, how are we going to. I don't know that this problem had this awareness before COVID to most people that, mm-hmm. and, and so, so is part of you being uh, orange pilled also realizing the uh, ideological principles behind the, the Bitcoin community and how we're being lied to and we're forced to take fiat. Absolutely. Especially after I had the conversation with my husband and I asked him, when did you get orange pills? Hold on a second. This husband, do we just call him husband? Is that you call him around the house or does he actually have a name? <laughs> he has a name. His name is Thevenin, um, which is, an, it's a very unique name. Yeah. Thevenin Canton. I, some people call him Thevin. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I asked Devin and I'm like, when did you get orange pilled? And he said the exact same thing. When COVID started, he started to see like, kind of like the crash of everything in a sense, 
how inflation kept going up. And he asked himself that question of what is money? And when you ask yourself that question of what is money and you start to look at the Bitcoin standard, at the history of money and how everything just has been corrupted in a sense, we live in a very corrupted fiat system. That's when, that's when a lot of people start to look into Bitcoin as an alternative. Um, and so just by learning the basic things, for example, I was a person that during my first job, I wanted to save as much as I could and put that in the bank in a, in a savings account. And since I was, let's say, ignorant at the fact that money is being diluted in the way it is, I didn't realize that the money I had put in there was being diluted, that, you know, my time was being stolen, the all the time and effort I put in that job to put to get that money and put it in there. Now it's being stolen because it's being diluted. I just felt completely lied to like I was living a lie. And so once I realized just some basic things about Bitcoin, how there's only going to be 21 million coins ever that no one can mess with this system, no one, no one can create more Bitcoin. In my mind, I was like, okay, this is a very scarce asset. We need to get as much of it as we can. And it's like Satoshi Nakamoto said, you don't have to be as aggressive, just buy a little bit, just in case. Hey, it catches, it catches on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love it. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Anyhow, go on. So yeah, so that was the position I started to take with my husband. We had a conversation. We were like, you know what? This is definitely a better solution uh, for us. Um, and we're just going to buy as much of it as we can. And we know that Bitcoin is not a get quick, get rich quick scheme. You know, Bitcoin is for more long term. Yeah. This whole yeah, idea of low time preference. Protect your value. Protect your time. Exactly, protect your wealth. And eventually it's not only going to help us and our kids, but I truly believe that if we start now and start being smart about it, this is a wealth that can be taken down from generation to generation. And when in my mind did I think I was going to find an opportunity like this in our current system? There's just no way. So what, what, what month, what month and year? So if, if you get orange, well, your husband was already buying Bitcoin, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little, little bit. I just so you actually you actually got in right when you saw the trajectory go up, the crazy trajectory. Yeah. yeah, what a wonderful yeah. time to be. Oh in my goodness, what a roller coaster! Yeah, what, what? what a roller coaster! And the thing about me is that I would see my husband on Twitter a lot as well. I wasn't a big fan of Twitter. Like I had a Twitter with only like six sixty eight people. If I tweeted once, I would only get like one like whatever. Um, but I saw that the big, a big part of the Bitcoin community was on Twitter. So I started to get involved as well. And I just said, you know what, I'm just going to dedicate this to my Bitcoin journey. And um, so I started doing very silly videos about my Bitcoin journey, like these types of TikToks, just talking about Bitcoin and stuff. I just put it out there, not expecting anything in return. Like I said, I would only get one like, but I thought to myself, it's going to be really cool to document this. And then for me to be able to go back and see my growth in this, in this journey, in this process, right? Little did I know these things were going to get so much traction. Um, that because of those videos is that Swan Bitcoin contacted me. Yeah, I was going to ask, how, wow. how did we get the job at Swan Bitcoin, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so, so they act, oh, 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 so somebody at Swan saw your videos, your organic 
videos and just said, hey, mami, ¿quieres trabajo? ¿Quieres trabajo? Exactly. He speaks it better. I, I get the syntax is all wrong. So, but anyhow, yeah. So, so yeah, tell me. What, so someone in Swan tried to do a TikTok video. And then I was like, That's a really crappy TikTok video. You know, I was triggered by that video. That's <laughs> and you, yeah, so we're not censoring that opinion. So then I created my own TikTok video and kind of responded to his comment. You know, it was all just laughs and giggles for me. But then after that, they were like, they were like, hey, can we do something together? And so um, I just started, I was like, absolutely, yes. Um, they were also taking aback that, I was so new to the space and that I was Bitcoin only. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I made very clear from the get-go is that if you really go down the rabbit hole and you understand these concepts of Bitcoin, you understand that the most, the scarcest thing more, even more than Bitcoin is your, is your time, indeed, right? Indeed. You want to be able to, you know, not just waste it. So I said, if Bitcoin is going to be like a big part of, my my husband's life our life together i want to just go down this rabbit hole and kind of ignore the noise yeah um, i mean to, to that end uh, camila i mean what i always say is uh, you've heard me say this before i can always make more money i can never get back time. yeah that's right so camila i want to ask this question because i'm fascinated yeah you're a fascinating guest just <laughs> I'm, i'm like watching you like a like a net like i'm binging a not netflix uh episode that's I, it's truly how i feel right now as you talk about it because you know i can relate I can totally relate to what you're talking about. Um, so has this, was this like a full-time job? This is now a full-time job? Now it is. Okay. Um, before it was just like contracting work. And then there were growing really fast. But at the time, they asked me, like, have you done social media professionally before? And I said, well, I haven't handled accounts on my own But in Orlando, my first job straight out of college was with a branding <clears throat> advertising agency. Got it. So my job was a producer where I was more behind the scenes and I would take care of accounts to make sure projects were finished. But I kind of saw the gist of it, of how it worked. And um, they were like, okay, so let's do it. So I started doing full-time contracting work until they were like, okay, now do you want to come in like as full-time salary person? And I was just like, yes, sir. Absolutely. This is, this is a great honor. So here, here's my question. <clears throat> Why don't you put up your social, <clears throat> George? <clears throat> so here's my question specifically. Do they pay you in Bitcoin? No, but I actually like it that way especially since Swan is a service where we try to tell people, like, even if you don't get paid in Bitcoin, you can pay yourself in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a lot better to like have them pay me in fiat. And then I decide what I want to allocate to go into Bitcoin since I use their service as well. And then the extra fiat, it's like, okay, for like expenses, et cetera. Right. Right. I you want to go through the whole tax Yeah, right, right. You would you would have to convert it back anyhow, right? Now you now you're paid a taxable. Yeah, yeah. Now your salary is capital gains, right? So exactly. so about that, I want to give you an opportunity to plug Swan and <laughs> and dollar cost averaging, which is something I believe in. So take 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 the time to do this. But but before you do that, I also want to say something. I actually, you know, I'm a recruiter, okay. And when you go to my when you, I don't know if you've been to my LinkedIn profile, 
right? But no, it, it, it's, it's, I'm all, I'm the Bitcoin job whisperer guy, you know, and uh, I'm the BTC recruiter. I'm all there. I got contacted by a recruiting firm in Canada. And they wow. said, hey, would you want to be the director of recruiting for Kraken? And I just think to myself, and they want me to train other recruiters. I'm thinking to myself, and I know this is going to sound arrogant. There's nobody on planet Earth that's better for this job than me. I said, yeah. And the thing is, I call people every day and say, look, you should just take the interview. So when someone says to me, instead of me thinking, hey, look, I'm too big for the job. I've got this other thing going. Uh, I would be a hypocrite. So I take the interview. Right. I'm, I'm interviewing with the person. She, she, she's very inexperienced. and She's very young. And, and I understand that I'm trying to be a good candidate. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I moved on. Three interviews, three interviews. And I, ta- I talked to the person at the recruiting firm. I said, I know Jesse Powell. I'm uh, cracking. I'm a client. You know, <laughs> I know everything yeah. about them. I understand in the margin trading. I mean, there's I can't think of anybody better than me based on my skill set. But mm-hmm. um, I still haven't heard back from them. But anyway, yeah. I, it's, uh, it's, it's, but it's, it's funny how your just your passion on a certain thing all of a sudden opens the eyes of certain people. So anyhow, thank, yeah. but anyhow, so talk, go on. Yeah. Just before I, I put in the plug for Swan, that's what a lot of people don't realize, especially when it's Bitcoin only companies, um, is that we're not going to go and just recruit anyone because they sound really good on paper on our, our, on resume. What these companies are looking for is sincere Bitcoiners that are here for the mission. That's the most important thing. Like you're a true Bitcoiner, you're here for the mission because everyone that works at Swan has the same mentality, right? Like we're all on the same page. Leadership is very solid on the same page about everything. And that's what makes us such a strong team. So what these companies are actually doing is recruiting people from Twitter. They, that's like the resume, you know, they look at their profile, see the type of posts that they do, see if they're trying to educate people, see if they're truly passionate about it. And so we just see like, okay, who would be a really good fit for this? And that's how, that's what they told me. That's how they found me, especially since they said, it's really hard to find girls that are only into Bitcoin. Yeah. 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 Well, the reason I asked, did you know Erica? Cause when I was at BitBlock Boom, yeah, there was two, 300 of us. 10 women. Yep. And Erica, and Erica was one of them. I mean, it's just yeah. so, oh, anyhow, 5%. so I mean, if, if you're looking for a dude, the odds are good, but the goods are odd, right? So, but <laughs> anyhow, so go ahead and let's talk a little bit about, I, wa- I really want to give you the opportunity. Uh, I'm a big believer. I When people say to me, hey, how do I get Bitcoin over? When people say to me, how do I get Bitcoin? At first, I always say, go to Coinbase. Not that I endorse them. It's just easier. I believe they're not going to be hacked. I don't believe that Brian Armstrong is going to leave the country with the money and they're going to shut down like I, like I believe about Binance, right? I think Binance, they're just really sketchy. But, yeah. but, but, but it's just an easy user experience, even though I think they charge too much, right? When, exactly, so, so, which is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this up for you. Uh, hold on a second. One second. Just one, I, I, I'm giving you this on a silver platter. Con calma. So anyhow, compas, compas. Anyhow, um, that's what I say to them. But when somebody has some experience, right, and, and, and I always say, okay, I'm not going to teach you how to self-custody, right? Mm-hmm. The, because p- people don't realize that, that they're, they're not. I talk talking to a gal uh, on the BMW, right, from my car, the service. She says, yeah, I have some Bitcoin. She says, what do you do? I said, I'm going to Vegas to do a podcast. She goes, I have some Bitcoin. I said, where do you have your Bitcoin? She goes, PayPal. I went, you, you don't have any Bitcoin. 
Yeah, yeah, right. She, for those of you who are listening on Apple and Spotify, Camila just stabbed herself in the heart. That's what she just did. That was the gesture of that sound. And it's appropriate. And so anyhow, but once I actually teach them how to self-custody, they say, well, how, how do I get more? I say, you go to Swan Bitcoin and you dollar cost average. That's what mm-hmm. I tell them to do. And now the lovely Camila Campanton will actually explain how that works. Yes. So... Uh, Swan is a Bitcoin only company. We only focus on Bitcoin. And as a personally, I feel like that's really important because we focus, we don't just sell Bitcoin. Our first thing and what we really take pride in is that we educate people first, which is super important, you know, and it's actually a very smart business model because the more you educate people about Bitcoin and the more they go down the rabbit hole after being orange pilled, the more Bitcoin they actually want to buy, right? Right. So it's perfect. It's like educate people about Bitcoin, have them fall in love with Bitcoin, and then just have them buy Bitcoin. And you can do reoccurring automatic buys. So you can set up plans where you can buy Bitcoin, let's say $10 a week. You can do daily, daily buys, automatic buys, if you're feeling extra bullish. Or you can set up a plan to buy monthly, which is perfect. So you just link your bank account uh, to to Swan, and then they'll be able to buy Bitcoin for you without you having even to think about it. You don't think about the price. You don't think about volatility. It's actually a very smart way for you to accumulate Bitcoin because when you see, have you have you guys seen the website about DCAing? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we know all about DCAing, which means dollar cost averaging. So right. there's, there's a website and I'm going to look it up real quick where you can actually put in like, if I would have bought $10 of Bitcoin every week for the last three years, how much have I would have I invested and how much would I have, would I have now? And you see that the history of Bitcoin is that it's gone up 200% every year, right? So you're, you're going to see that you would have actually saved a lot of money and accumulated a lot more if you are just patient and just have those reoccurring buys. Uh, so we truly believe in that. That's the best way for you to start saving money in the long term. Like- and by the way, just for everybody, Camila didn't say this because she was just so excited about her pitch. Uh, and rightly so, but Swan Bitcoin is the most cost-effective as it relates to fees. There's nobody. There's nobody more ineffective. I mean, sorry, you know, ineffective. Freudian slip. Efficient. There's nobody <laughs> more efficient and and, and uh, co- cost-worthy than Swan. Swan's exactly. really good about that. Yeah. So I just I we have lower fees <clears throat> than Coinbase. We have lower fees than Cash App, um, and the onboarding is also super super easy. Like as long as you have the right documentation, you can get approved super quick and you can just start buying Bitcoin and not even have to have to worry about it. The coolest thing is not checking your dashboard for a really long time, seeing how much you've bought. And it's like, oh, I did not know I had yeah, that's ones. right. Yeah, it, yeah that's it's, I've heard a lot of people have talked about that experience. It's just so for, for all of our listeners. OK, I am going to put a link to the Bitcoin standard in where you can actually get the book and the audio. I'm also going to put a link. For Swan Bitcoin, I'm not. I don't endorse anything on this show, so you know. But I want people to actually be able to do their own research. So if they want to do Swan Bitcoin, so I don't know, Camilla, if if you have a a link that's that's good for you, if you want me to put that link in, I absolutely will. All right, so okay. you, you you can get that to me. And also the the DCA website 
uh, we'll actually put that in uh, and on the link below too. So Perfect. I want to I want to talk to you about a, a, a couple of things. So I want to talk about I want to talk about how I met you or how well, how <clears throat> how I how, how Camila found me I should say. Yes. <laughs> and you know she was on this podcast with a bunch of other uh, people, and uh, we're talking about Bitcoin as a protest, and specifically you having your Colombian roots, you understanding you know. Uh, oppression of governments from, you know, obviously your mother found it necessary to leave your government in Colombia and come to here. You know, all the governments oppress, right? Especially as it relates to money, but Bitcoin is a protest. So I want you to talk about specifically about the protest it, because it's coming here where the price is going up. The same thing that was happening in Colombia, the reason they were protesting, right? Here, here's what I'm going to say about this. And I, I see it coming as soon as like the working person right the paycheck to paycheck person which is a lot in america as mm -hmm. soon as they can't afford milk or gas it's like they're all going to go over the edge i mean and, and you talk about civil unrest it's like the, these other events have nothing compared to what it will be when people are hungry in mass or, or in fear for their family in mass and i i said too much too long so <laughs> but go ahead so comment about the, that podcast and what you were talking about and and how bitcoin fixes that Absolutely. So it was a very interesting podcast and I decided to get people together from all parts of Latin America. So we had people that were in Argentina, in Colombia itself, in, in Venezuela, since Venezuela, as we know, has a history of just the government destroying its whole country. And I wanted to bring up Latin America. I kind of wanted to highlight Latin America, even though the main topic was Colombia and that's what triggered me. Um, <clears throat> So a quick summary about the protests. There were protests going on because the government was going to pass a bill where they were going to start raising tax up to 19% on basic goods. And this tax reform was really going to affect the poor people. Hold on a second. We're, we're talking an additional 19% on tortillas, gas, um, right? On milk. Exactly. Right. Milk, okay. All, the, all of these basic things. Right. Okay. Um, wow. I'm not really, I didn't really know about Colombian topics uh, of politics um, until I heard about these protests, especially since I still have family in Colombia and they kept talking to uh, us here about the unrest and how dangerous it was to go outside. Um, so it, it was just really sad because obviously COVID affected Latin America's countries as well, probably a lot more than it did here in America, since these these countries are impoverished, you know, they're third world countries, like underdeveloped countries. And so to me, it was just like, man, like Bitcoin is an opportunity for these people to get out of these systems and start to take that freedom back. You know, like us here in North America, we're very spoiled. We're very blessed, you know, we have a lot more opportunities than those countries. And a lot of people here, when they think about Bitcoin, especially in America, it's just about number go up. When are we going to moon? When yeah, land right. ball? Right. How like, much? Yeah, right. All the wrong things. All, exactly. Every, yeah, we, we, they, I mean, we got to talk about this. The attitude of how much can I make? And, and that's why all the altcoins, right? Or as they're referred to as shitcoins, right? And like I said, <laughs> I neither endorse nor oppose anything. I, everybody gets a view. But the what happens with all these other coins is everybody's got that greed factor in us. How can I accumulate all the gluttony that got us into this mess that we're in right now, by the way? However... Mm -hmm. But Bitcoin is an equity system. It's a fair system. It's the people's money. And so, 
yeah, so what Camila's talking about to our audience is if we can change consciousness and the people in Colombia specifically, but all these other third world countries that were on the podcast, if they can start accumulating Bitcoin, <clears throat> then the, the taxation can't happen that way. I mean, they, they, I'm saying it poorly, but everybody knows what I mean. However, I also, I want to talk about the recent passage of El Salvador. I want, I want you to speak, but, but before I want to, I want to talk about the, the narrative. Um, people have always said, <clears throat> like even Max Kaiser says, right? Max Kaiser, you, have you met Max? Because he's one of your founders, right? Yes. Right. Right. <clears throat> he's, a, he's an advisor of the company, a big fan of Swan. <laughs> yeah. And Gary, and you know, Gary, Gary is also part of Swan. Gary. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, so what, what ended up happening is I've always said this. People said that institutional adoption is what's going to send Bitcoin through the moon. We already have institutional adoption. It doesn't mean every institution is using it, but, but it's, it's adopted. It's there. What I've always believed with every fiber of my being is the institutions are not going to uh, push the adoption of Bitcoin. Poverty is. Right. Because when I, yeah, here, here's something that I learned. Watch what people are doing and not listen to what people are saying. Watch what they're doing. And the country of Iran. Right. They're mining Bitcoin. Venezuela. Right. Uruguay. Lebanon. Right. Syria. All these countries where literally their fiat currency is going down by the dollar. Right. And I've always I've spoken to my friend, Uncle Jim, as I refer to him. We talked about, well, what if the United States outlaws Bitcoin or Elizabeth Warren wants to make a windfall gains tax of 80 percent? I said, there's going to be some country there that they're going to say, hey, your Bitcoin is welcome and I'll go there. And now I don't know if I'm going to be a permanent resident of El Salvador, but for three Bitcoin, I can. I mean, it's an yeah. option. And so if the United States says, hey, you can't do Bitcoin, then I'm just and watch watch what will end up happening. All the medicine, all the brains of the world and the infrastructure will, will also El Salvador will be the people that actually they're, they're, they're making all these advents in science because money, money, yeah. money goes where it's treated best. OK, so anyhow. And so from your experience. I, I hope I didn't step on your thunder there. I step on your no, line, but... absolutely not. So it was it's crazy how events happen, right? So we had that podcast. We were kind of trying to like bring light to Latin America, right? Because trying to get the American people to like not only focus on ourselves and our own little bubble, but to see the reality of the world and what's going on, right? Um, so with a couple of those people, we've we've actually been doing um rooms on the app clubhouse to where we can talk about bitcoin in spanish and like you know just talking game theory like how would it play out and so it's very interesting to see that now el salvador comes out with this law just a week ago about how it's going to be legal tender and um i was talking with uh, the bitcoin beach um, people when I was in Miami for the Bitcoin conference um, the week before that. And I told them, I, I told them, I was like, you know, it's, it's beautiful the work that you're doing down there because you don't realize the, the opportunity that you're giving these people. So what a lot of people don't realize is that in these countries, the young generation, they really have no choice out, no way to really make money a proper way, either they, like I say, either they have to become a professional <laughs> soccer player, right? Right. right. They can be <clears throat> taken out of the country and they can play in Europe or United States, wherever, or most of these people just go into gangs and go through the violence route. Like that's the reality of, of the opportunities that we have. If you don't have good connections within these countries, there's no way that you're gonna get far, period. 
that's how the systems work down there. And so I could, I could hear in their voices like, yes, this is why we wanna show people a brand new opportunity. This is a brand new opportunity of hope for these people to start getting their freedom back and to start seeing Bitcoin as a way out without having to leave their own countries. Because this is what happens, like you said, because of the governments, the only reason people leave their countries is because of desperation. Yeah, so- There's no way out. Right, and so you're talking about something as it relates to countries. You're talking about the pursuit from a a persecution or a tyranny or a lack of hope, like you did in Colombia, like your mom did, to the perception of hope like in the United States, right? Exactly. And and what the reason, the genesis or the, the, the fire behind that, what your mother did, and that's a, it's not a unique thing to your mom, it's universal, right? Because America, mm-hmm. everybody came from somewhere else looking for something better. That's that's the vortex of energy that we have here. But what we're, what Camila's talking about is she's talking about access. It's lack of access, and when you actually find access, you'll be granted agency. And and I we had another guest, right? Uh, Uche Nguku, he, he's a, a Nigerian American Marine and he became the principal of a, he's a principal of a, a Brooklyn school and, and mostly black. And he says, there's no financial literacy here. And it, it's from him. I coined the line that because of Bitcoin and blockchain, these kids now have access and, and to my audience, right? To a simple housewife, right? Who's, who's, who's volunteering at the church and she's getting 200 bucks a week. She's trying to save that, to get her, kids teeth fixed or whomever you are listening right what bitcoin offers what it offered me and i i you know i'm privileged with so many advantages right with my demographic <clears throat> but you know even i was under the tyranny of the man of of, of this and hold we've got something to show you here right huh. magusta <laughs> uh, it's all right yeah the dirty fiat but here can you, george <laughs> zoom up on this zoom up i want to show i want to show camilla this right I, we have this right here. Can you come in? Oh, yeah. Right. That's the, I, I have it framed here. It's the, that's beautiful. The, I have mine. The $100 trillion bill. And do you know what it buys, Camilla? What does it buy? Three eggs. Hey, you, me, and David, we can each have a meal. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I have this one, which is the $5 billion. Yeah. But then, and this is something that a, a friend from Swan gave to me, but then we stamped it with buy Bitcoin. <laughs> buy Bitcoin. Because buy it's Bitcoin. a reminder. It's a reminder of what can happen when the government spires out of control and, it, you know, it dilutes our money. And like you said in the beginning, like people don't realize that that's the route that we're going here in the United States. We think that in the United States, <clears throat> we're like, oh, so privileged and nothing bad can happen to us because we're the almighty, the best country in the world. We are the best country in the world, but we're going down the wrong path. B8, I've got three more questions to ask you before we end. But before, hey, we got to talk about jobs. That's what okay. we do here. All right. <laughs> All right. So, India, yeah, I've been really, really busy. So I have a product manager, right, uh, who really wants to do credit card product managers uh, for the Bitcoin transversion. Uh, for the crypto conversions. I also have a crypto security designer. And I wrote a fantastic job last week for a product operations manager. And But you got to be up, uh, they got to relocate you up to Northern California. What do you got? I got a, I got a director of cyber intelligence. Uh, you got a candidate or a job? Uh, I got a job. I got okay. a job. It's actually based in uh, New York. Okay. Uh, see here, I got a... Uh, cryptocurrency researcher that's in the Bay Area. Wait, how much does that pay? 
Well, it's got to pay a lot. I mean, well, considering can, it's in San Francisco. Can, can uh, do you have my resume? Uh, the fact that I'm not qualified is irrelevant. No, I, I don't have your resume. Would you put me forward? Doubtful. I, I agree. Doubtful. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I got a senior director, uh, excuse me, senior investigator for crypto risk. Mm -hmm. uh, that's in uh, Arizona. Okay, so. that sounds good. So <clears throat> if you actually want a job, if you want a job and you need a better job and you don't, you're stuck, you call me or David. If you want a job in crypto, right, or working on a blockchain project or like a job like Camila has, right, uh, then you call me or David, right? And so uh, you can get a hold of me at davidj at blockchainrecruiters.net. Right? And also you can find me on Twitter. I am the btc recruiter i'm the btc recruiter and I, even though the name of our company is blockchain recruiters i, I call us a bitcoin recruiters the bitcoin recruiters because that's really really what i am so uh kamala I, I, <laughs> sorry i'm looking at a picture of kamala harris i, I literally C camilla <laughs> camilla kamala so camilla camilla uh, I'm probably going to edit this part out. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Camille, I, I want to say, so how do you, well, I just want to say to the audience, you notice the purpose of this show is to showing how uh, blockchain and, and cryptocurrency is changing the job market. And you'll see how I actually was contacted. I'm a recruiter. I was contacted, you know, for a job at Kraken. And if Jesse Powell is listening, you really should call me. And, um, and, and you noticed how uh, our guest... Camilla, she literally was just doing her TikTok thing, but she was about about a passionate, about ideology, and then she got a job as well. So I want you to talk about how do you see crypto and the blockchain changing the job market? There's so much opportunity, especially since I feel like even though Bitcoin has been around for since 2009, we're still so early and we still have so much work to do like so much work to do in order to be able to educate people, educate the space. Um, so just be on the lookout because yeah, like we, we have jobs opening all the time as well. And the cool thing about this job, like one of my favorite things is that it's remote. So all you need is some internet connection and a laptop and you can- And a brain. Beautiful. And, yeah. exactly. and, and Beautiful. Or orange pill. Ability. Exactly. That is a silver lining of COVID, though, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that is. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that, really, what it did was COVID forced the uh, forced the technology we already had on us, and, 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 well, that, and it forced an adaptation that people were resistant to, right? I mean, yeah. all, all the all the corporations were like, "No, you can't work from home. Why not? Well, uh, because we need you in the office for synergy or yeah, whatever." <laughs> the same the same people that are going to say, "Hey, your uh, <laughs> your central bank digital currency currency is much better than Bitcoin." Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's funny about that synergy thing that I met some of my team that I work with in Miami for the very first time. And it was just like, even if I hadn't met them, I feel like we, we still have that synergy going on in our Zoom calls and stuff, like just really mission oriented. Yeah. Um, it's great to see people in person. Absolutely. Like I had the yeah. best time. With them, but it shouldn't stop you from changing the world, literally. Like we're, we're here in our little laptops, coding and educating people, doing podcasts like this that are gonna be posted on YouTube, on Spotify, et cetera. You never know who's going to listen to it. And this may be the orange pill that changes their life and kind of takes them down the rabbit hole to learn even more. And it can really, 
improve people's lives. I truly believe that. The funny thing about it is I'm so old, right? I'll, I'll just, I'll out myself. I'm so old. I'll be. Oh, no, you're I'll, not. You okay. still have so much. I, yeah, I, I know. I know. But I'm fine to technology. Okay. I started in recruiting, right? In the late 80s, right? Wow. When the response on the telephone where people would say, mail me a resume. Literally, you got to like lick a stamp and send it out to, hey, did you get the resume? Hey, did you get the resume? So you had to, yeah. figure, you had to figure something else out. You need to say, yeah. hey, you got a pen? You got a paper? Write the background down. They'd say, okay, mail me a resume. I say, why? You just, you know what it is. When can you see them? Right? Uh -huh. And so, so basically, but still as recruiters, there's a lot of people that they just tweet and they just use LinkedIn and they send texts and emails. But the biggest, the biggest piece, most effective piece of technology we have is the telephone. But now, when, I, when people want to talk, when anybody wants to talk to me, it's like a new thing, I want to Zoom. And if you're not willing to Zoom with me, and see, if you're not willing to Zoom with me, I'm going, hey, you're a bit off. But I, I want all my calls, at least the first one. I, I mean, I'll talk with you. I don't have to talk to you every time on Zoom. But when, when I'm getting to know a candidate or getting to know a client, it's a Zoom, dude. Right? Or dudette, or however you want to do it. Yeah. But <laughs> anyhow, uh, so... <clears throat> Camilla, I cannot thank you enough. Is there any closing sage words of wisdom that you want to say to our audience or anything at all? Absolutely. I have a couple. So the first one, uh, just going back to El Salvador and what's going on, um, I really invite people, especially if you're able to speak Spanish, to talk to the people of El Salvador to see what it is that they need right now. Because what we've realized is that since this Bitcoin law has been kind of rushed, there's a lot of people that are still very uneducated about the subject and are very fearful of what's going to happen in the country. And the best thing we can do is just listen to them. And then as a community, as a Bitcoin community, see what resources we Social. can do or reach out to see how we can help. Because we want Bitcoin to succeed, especially in El Salvador, since it's also a developing country. Like this is an opportunity of hope for them, even though a lot of the Salvador people don't see it yet. Um, the second thing is George, can you put her social up? Put her social oh. up. I want to make sure because there are gun people that might want to get a hold of you and talk about this. So I yes, just want to of um, the second thing is for people that are just coming into the space, the the Bitcoin space, it can be very intimidating, yes, but you don't have to be an expert in the subject in order to make an impact. So I just want people to take my story as an example. I was someone that knew absolutely nothing, just maybe the very basics of Bitcoin, but I put myself out there and I started using my skills and my gifts, whatever you want to call it, in order to just spread the word of Bitcoin. Um, and just by putting yourself out there, you never know who you're going to run into and how you can start changing people's lives. So don't be scared to be involved in the community. Do whatever you can. Do podcasts, write books, write blog articles. People are going to see it, even if you don't believe so. So just going back to my story about how I had 68 followers, I have more than 14K followers now. And it's just like, okay, now I can use my voice, the voice that maybe was censored for a really long time uh, when I was growing up. Now I can use it and just express my thoughts and opinions about how we can make this world a better place. So that's... Those are the two the two things that I wanna I wanna tell the listeners. Don't Camille, be don't be scared and speak your truth. Camila Campton, thank you yes. so much. I mean, it, it just the hour flew by. I'm just I, I know. Yeah. Well, we got We're gonna roll again. We're we're we're, we're, okay. we're, gonna, we're gonna roll again. A couple things for the audience. So, uh, like I said, I'm gonna put the link to the Bitcoin standard so you can find that if you want that. Also, a link to Swan Bitcoin. 
Uh, also, the, D, the dollar cost average website, so you can figure out, hey, if I've done this or if I do that, I'll get whatever. I'm also going to put up the, uh, the Swan Columbia podcast that I met, uh, Camila, oh. that I saw, because that's going to be an important thing. And uh, you guys all know how to get a hold of me. So to David Hampton, the Robo Recruiter, remember, everybody, uh, we drop a new podcast every Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific. 5 p.m. EST, and please subscribe, leave a comment, um, click the like button. Remember, we don't send uh, any type of messages in the comment se section to send us any type of money. Uh, those are all scammers. No, nobody does anything about that, so we, we don't ask for any money. We're, we're looking for someone who wants a job, and we're looking for someone who wants a job, and we want to spread awareness about Bitcoin and blockchain and how it's changing the world in a positive way. So once again, David Hampton, thank you so much, Robo Likewise. Recruiter. Thank you. And I'm David James, the Job Whisperer. And remember, everybody, be sure to get... Whisper.